Hi there, Sharks. I'm Jonathan Little, here with Just GTO, Justin Saliba, crusher of all poker, live and online. Today we're going to be going through one of the hands he played recently in a $10,000 Poker Masters tournament. Let's take a look at it. Everyone folds around to the hijack, who raises the 7000 out of their 150000 effective stack. We're playing 50 big blinds deep or so, and Justin gets the beautiful queen 10 offsuit in the small blind. Perfect. What would you do in this scenario? Take a second, think about it. What would just GTO do? Easy call. Easy Put call. call <laughs> okay. Easy, obvious call. If you take a look at the charts on PokerCoaching.com, you'll see playing 40 big blinds deep, 60 big blinds deep, anywhere in there, queen 10 offsuit's mostly a call. I probably would have made an error in this scenario and 3-bet it. What's, what's the problem with 3-betting here? You just want to be like really suited heavy and pretty linear in this spot because like when you're out of position in the small blind with deep stacks, they should peel a lot as an in-position player. And so we want to have a like a range that has really good playability in that spot because we're going to be having to play out of position post-flop really often. Um, so we'd much prefer to have like the queen-10 suited, the 10-9 suited, king-jack suited, all, all that type of hand instead of like our offsuit region, like the ace-10-0 king. Like our offsuit 10s, uh, yeah, they don't play super well out of position through a pots in the spot. So as you get deeper and deeper stacked, you're going to find that the three-bet bluffs, let's call it. They're not really bluffs, but as the three-bet hands that you three-bet are going to be more suited and connected, right? And as you get shallower and shallower, it becomes more blocker hands, right? Where if yeah, you look at a 20-big blind chart, like all of your ice offsuits just all in, right? Maybe not all of them. A large chunk of them are all, are all in. Um, you can see this very clearly in the charts at PokerCoaching.com. Um, a lot of people in the small blind think that they are supposed to three-bet or fold everything. But... That is not true when you're playing in a game where there is no rake taken out of the pot, when there's an ante in play, and when you're facing a small preflop raise. If we were playing a cash game, and the opponent raised to three and a half big blinds, and there's no ante, and there's rake, then you want to be three-betting basically your entire range that you're going to play, or fold. I don't know if this is a call or a fold, or three-bet or a fold in that scenario, but it's one of the two. It's not a call. And this is a spot where a lot of cash game players, especially online cash game players, come to tournaments and they just three better fold everything. But that's definitely a mistake. I mean, if you take a look at the charts, we have a big calling range in this scenario. So anyway, easy call for just GTO. He studied his charts. Big blind calls. Queen. No, not queen. King, jack, four. Just GTO leads. <laughs> Go ahead. I mean, two high card boards. Think, like, <laughs> think about our calling range in the small blind. Like It's a lot of two high cards. That we have... Like, it's such a big portion of our range set up in our offsuit two high cards. So anytime it comes, like, King-Jack-X, Jack-10-X, Queen-10-X, I think we can start leading um, from from the small blind in this spot. And I think it's really tough to play against. I mean, when you're in the big blind here and you overcall with a really wide range, and then small blind, who you know just, like, smashes this board, leads, like, what do you do with 4-5, four, 4-7? Four, you also yeah. have to worry about the hijack having a hand too, right? I mean, that's yeah. that's the thing is that the big blind is in a really bad spot against the lead. Yeah. So, I guess my fear with leading would be that hijack's going to raise you sometimes, right? So if you bet six thousand into twenty four, big blind folds, hijack raises. To, I don't know twenty four thousand. <laughs> What's the play? I manage to call call with the yeah. sand. Call and try to get there. Are we jamming anything here? It'd be a big shove. It'd be a big shove. I don't think so, but... Also, we don't really have any made hands that especially want to shove, right? 
Yeah, I agree. Like, I mean, maybe King Jack, but does that really actually want to shove? Like, yeah. not really. You want to trap that to some extent, right? I, I, I agree. So while it probably does make some logical sense to jam the open-ended straight draw with no showdown value out of position, it doesn't make sense for any other hand, right? So you either need to find some hands to jam for value or just don't jam anything. Yeah. And, right? we're, I mean, we're lacking, like, we're lacking the top-end equity advantage. Like, the hijack still has a massive nut advantage to us. Like, they have all the ace-king... They have the pocket jacks that we don't have. They have the pocket kings. They have the aces we don't have. Um, they have more king jack than we do because we're going to three bet some of our suited king jack. So, like, we, we still lack, and they have king four. So, like, yeah, they actually have a massive nut advantage. So the hijack is going to want to raise a lot, and I'm just going to want to call a lot facing that. Like, I want to push small bets on the flop because I have a middling equity advantage. But they have the nut advantage, so then they want to develop raises. And then I can't three bet much because they have the nut advantage. So when you have lots of good made hands, like, you know, king-10, yeah, stuff like that, king-10, king-queen, king-9, I don't know, ace-jack, those hands don't mind putting in a little bit of money, right? And when that's the case, you often should be betting them. That said, I'm not so sure you're supposed to lead here. Run it. Yeah, run it, exactly. <laughs> All right, you bet 6K. High-jack does raise, a tiny raise to so 17,000. I'm kind of surprised to see such a small raise. Because if I was in hijack's shoes, I would presume you are leading with, well, middle strength made hands yeah. and draws. If you have a draw, he wants to charge the draw if he has a made hand. And if he has a good made hand, you're not folding like king 10 to a 24,000 raise. So why not raise bigger? No, I'm with you. I think two yeah. high card boards, for that same reason, raise sizes are typically really big. I mean, he, he wants to be pushing his not advantage and using really big sizes right away. Mm -hmm. um, he is in position, so that's going to like want to be a slightly smaller sizing. But yeah, I, I would typically agree and say that he probably wants to use a bigger race size. Also, your 6,000 bet, even though it is a bet, is a very tiny yeah, bet, right? Yeah. A lot of people get it in their minds that they're always supposed to race it three times their opponent's bets. But that doesn't make sense, because what, what if Justin overbotted it, right? Say he bet 50,000, what, the opponent's just all in? I mean... <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like whenever you're going to put in a raise, it's to some extent in relation to the size of the pot, not in relation to the opponent's bet. Although, when your opponents use normal bet sizes, you know, half pot, two-thirds pot, 3x rule kind of applies to some extent. At least it applies way more than when your opponent bets tiny, right? Okay. So anyway, you already said you're going to call. You get there on the turn, they just give it to you. <laughs> just GTO. Whenever you have a straight draw, you want to make the straight on the turn. Yeah. Even better if you make it on the river so you can't get outdrawn. Easy, easy game. <laughs> yeah. So 9 has to be great for your range in general because you have the queen 10. Probably also have king 9, maybe. Yeah. Um, do we call the king 9 offsuit preflop? No. No. We 3-bet the king 9 suited. Maybe we don't have the king 9. Mm. I don't care. Whenever, I was going to say, do we not care? So whenever you're playing poker, you always have to ask, does my opponent know specifically my range? Because... Imagine your opponent knows you are the just GTO robot, and you don't have the king nine offsuit because you fold a preflop, and you don't have the king nine suited because you three bet a preflop. This nine doesn't actually line up all that great with you anymore, does it? It's still sick for me though because like, I'm pushing equity on the flop. He raises. He has all the combos of ace king. Mm -hmm. He has a lot of the combos of king queen. He has a lot of aces. He has king jack. He has king nine, and then he has a, a bunch of bluffs. You know, he might just take four five and bluff with it. You know. Um, like jack eight and bluff with this i i don't know exactly what his bluffs look like in the spot ace 10 ace queen um so he actually has a lot more air when he raises and then i call well you you're gonna fold all of your garbage exactly right so. like, yeah i lead and then i fold so my range is just like really condensed really tight and then his range is pretty polar well the polarity of his range just got 
just got trounced on the nine because I just made I can make the nuts. And his aces aren't the nuts anymore. His ace king aren't the nuts anymore. Mm -hmm. So I get to lead again because I I, I'm, I think I get to lead again. I mean, this is a, this is a, we're taking to the streets a little bit with this hand. <laughs> you get to do whatever you want. I get to do whatever I want. You put out that 20K bet. So whenever you do have this nut advantage, why bet so small? Because you want to get your stack in by the river, right? Pots yeah. 58K. If you bet 20 and he calls, go up to 100. And he has about a pot size bet left. Yeah, I could, I could definitely be convinced that I should just be like betting 60. I, I, I don't, I, I would have bet, I mean, if I'm going to lead, I'm not quite, it's just GTO, it's just GTO. But I think I would have bet even just like 25, 28, yeah. just to like give him better pot odds on the river. Because I don't really think anyone's going to fold out a king on the turn, right? Yeah. So if he's not folding out a king on the turn, I just want to try my best to get him to call on the river, right? Does that make sense? Or yeah. like why, why bet, I guess why bet 20? I mean, typically just like when we, like this happens a lot in like out of position single raise pots where we bet small and they raise in position and then the turn's good for us and then we just lead mm -hmm. after we call. And like it's just like typically small sizes because what we're saying is that the turn card was so good for us, I have no air. I'm just betting everything for a small size just because like I have such good equity in the spot. So I'm just pushing that equity with small sizes. I, I'm not pushing a nut advantage with like the top of my range and then checking my king X. Like I'm just betting really, really often for a small size here. Okay. That's how I'm thinking about it. I, it's a tricky spot. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess my my only issue here is the stack to pot ratio. Like, that's the only reason I'm saying you should be betting bigger. Not because, like, in general, whenever you do lead, say the middle card pairs or yeah. a bunch of straights come in, whatever, in the common spots, you are often are leading small on the turn and then very polarized big on the river, right? If you bet the turn and then bet the river. But here, because of stack to pot ratio, I think maybe you're supposed to go bigger. I don't know. Anyway, you lead. He calls. River. Look at the beautiful six. You still have the nuts. <laughs> Now, he has a little bit more than the size of the pot, 106K. This is where I'd rather the pot be 110, yeah. let him have 95, whatever. Can't have everything go perfectly in the hand. <laughs> so in this spot, we have three options. We can check, which seems like that would be really bad to me, right? Because if he has ace-jack or king-queen, he's probably just going to check it back, right? Maybe? Maybe not? Eh, I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah, yeah. Um, you could bet... Tiny, which I also probably don't think is great here, although maybe you're supposed to have some small bats. Probably not. Or you can just jam it all in. So what do you think we should do with this hand, and should we do any other thing? Like, if we're going to bet, should we ever use a small size or only a big size here? I mean, if I'm leading a bunch on the turn, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind using a small size like king-queen or something. Right, and if you're going to use a small size with king-queen, maybe you mix in the queen-ten, but yeah. you lose a lot of value when you bet small. Yeah, I don't know. How to, I mean, this is a really tricky spot to play. I think, like... In general, we're unblocking all of his two pairs. What's un what's unblocking me? Like we have, we don't block a king jack four nine six, so he can have all the two pair combos. He can have all the set combos. Um, yeah, I mean, I just think like, I think we have the nuts on the river. I mean, it's uh, it, it's hard to go wrong jamming here. I think he's just gonna have king jack and king nine enough. Pocket jacks, pocket nines, pocket kings, pocket fours. Um, when they have a lot of hands that are just unfoldable. And you don't block any of them at all. Them. Yeah. It's usually a pretty good spot to just bet a lot of money. So would we be bluffing here with anything? It's pretty hard for me to find this. <laughs> this is where the GTO stuff is hard because if you're taking this line and you're trying to actually be GTO, yeah. then you know it'd be sick. It's like Jack 10, 10, 9. I that's mean, probably what you're ten, supposed to use. Ten nine is like probably the most reasonable if I call the small raise on the turn. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would find bluffs here. I think. But I would just 3-bet the flop. Like, if I had a 4 in my hand, I'm probably just 3-betting the flop a lot. 
I have ace, ace four backdoor flush draw. Feels like a really nice hand just to like three bet flop and then run it. Um, so once we get to this river, it's pretty hard to find bluffs, but yeah, I think you just have to take 10 9, jack 10, queen jack type stuff. It's pretty hard to get to this river with this line. Yeah. And anyway. <laughs> pretty weird hand overall. So you shall find. Does he call? No. He folds. You were at the table for this, right? Man, don't I don't remember. remember a single hand that I play so, after I'm done. Yeah, so I like this guy a lot. He, he actually, I think, got third in this tournament or something like that. And um, he's just sitting there time banking. Time <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I would have put this in the muck 10 minutes ago if it wasn't you jamming. <laughs> he's just looking at me, like, trying to get a read or doing something. And he, he later told me he folded Ace King. So it's, you know. Probably a good fold. Probably, so, yeah, I mean, a good fold. Let's yeah, briefly sure. talk about the idea of when someone takes some absolutely bizarre line like this lead flop, call a raise, lead turn, jam river, or any other weird line, do you think that that usually skews very value-heavy or very bluff-heavy? Depends on the spot, right? I mean, It does. That's a tough thing. Like, in this spot, it's pretty hard to find bluffs. And yeah. if it's pretty hard for us to find bluffs in this spot, it's pretty hard for some, like, you know, in general to find bluffs in the spot. So, But there's a lot of spots where, like, middle card pairs and someone just, like, starts leading. They're probably a little bit bluff-heavy because, like, they know that they should be leading in that spot. So they just like lead their whole range or something like that, you know? So I think it depends on the spot, but in general, it's a lot easier to look at the nuts and be like, I want to put money in the pot. Then it's like, oh, I turned a pair plus bottom got shot. I'm going to take 10-9 and lead small and jam all rivers. Like it's a lot easier to make the first decision than the second. So I would say in a lot of spots, it's probably just value heavy. It also depends on the opponent as well, right? Like you have young man just GTO. You might be a little bit more bluff heavy than other people. Whereas if you take recreational player who has not been out of line all day yeah. that guy is like never bluffing when he takes a weird yeah. line he just has the nuts and is trying to get full value from your likely hand For sure. so cool hand cool spot not gto at all maybe it is actually maybe it is maybe it is maybe it is <laughs> time will tell if this more two-way three-way leading is uh is a, is a good thing we'll see oh my goodness we'll see <laughs> there's actually some videos i think by matt affleck on leading multi-way in pokercoaching.com he recommends leading sometimes fun stuff oh to a study poker so much to the point that you know leading is good. Time will tell. That's gonna be it for today. I hope you enjoyed this video. If you did, click the like button, click the subscribe button. Let me know in the comment section below if you ever lead in spots like this. Do you have a supercomputer brain and you know the right play? I don't yet. Justin probably does. We'll get there together. Have a great week, have a great day. Good luck, run hot, and we'll talk to you next time.